Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me, Father. Everywhere I go, Father, I have power to heal the sick and raise the dead, Father. To destroy the works of the enemy because you live on the inside of me. You are great. Father, we worship only you. Thank you. Thank you. For your goodness and kindness. Mercy. Thank you. Great are you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for being good to us, to dwell in us, Father, to lead us and guide us into all truth, show us things to come. We thank you that your word is strong, Father, your spirit is sure. And Father, we thank you in all the days of our lives. We'll, we will give all glory, honor, and praise unto you, Father. And we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, I just like that last song there. I just uh, just a good song to worship the Lord, tell him how big he is. Amen. Of course, I like really all the songs that we sing. You never uh, can't spend too much time worshiping the Lord. Um, and so uh, but uh, Miss Marilyn is here and uh, we always pray. You know, our prayers always that the Lord would speak to our guest ministers and um, uh, give them the word that we need as a ministry here, but also that they have the boldness to speak. Amen. You know, Paul did ask for that in the in in Ephesians chapter 6, that we would pray for him that he would have boldness to speak. And you think of all people that Paul would be pretty bold to speak. He never seemed to be too afraid to speak at all, but he still asked for prayers to speak because, um, you know, there's sometimes just uh, in your own heart, you've got to decide, Lord, do I want to say that? You know, and sometimes, you know, uh, every now and then people will encourage you from the audience to not say anything, right? And so, you know, you have to overcome those things, right, as a minister. So, uh, so that's why we pray for boldness. Amen. Uh, but we're going to have open hearts and, and receptive uh, minds. Amen. Uh, and so let's give a warm date and welcome to Dr. Marilyn Neubauer. Well, thank you, Pastor Chip. It's always an honor to be here. I see some new faces. It's good to see the ones that I've seen so many years in the past. So <clears throat> thank you for coming out today. <clears throat> it's always a good day to worship the Lord, whether it's sunny or rainy or because the great is the Lord, amen, and he's taken us through so many times of our lives, amen. You know, <clears throat> you know there's only five areas in mankind's life where he will have a need. You might have one need, somebody else has a need, somebody else has a need, <clears throat> but of all the needs, they'll only be, <clears throat> excuse me, only be in one of five areas, spirit, soul, body, financial, or social. You'll never have a need outside any one of those five areas. And of those five areas, there's two areas that every person will have a need in. So you may not have a need uh, in finances. Some people have been born in wealth, <laughs> and they never even have to give money a thought. But every human being will have a need for a savior and for a healer. As long as you're on this earth, you will have 
those two, every person will experience those two needs. And I just want to encourage you to come to healing school this afternoon because you will at some point, you may not need healing now, but you at some point will. And plus, the more that you know about healing, the more you are able to share with somebody else. Because, you know, healing is the dinner bell. This isn't even part of my message this morning. <laughs> but <clears throat> healing is the dinner bell to salvation. And everybody is going to need a savior and a healer. But it is the dinner bell to salvation. Because God will heal even an unsaved person. Now, for you and me, healing belongs to us because it's a part of our covenant. But he will heal an unsaved person through grace. And then when they receive that healing, then they have tasted the goodness of God. And then it's the goodness of God that draws men into repentance. So you can see how healing is the dinner bell to salvation. So you want to be bold and strong in knowing how to share the gospel with people. Because they may not want to hear anything about salvation, but they may want to know about how to be healed. And then that will take them to the next level. Amen. So it's, it's good. It's good. I, I, you know, uh, like Pastor Chip said, I have some material on the back. <clears throat> this little book, My Three Miracles, The Journey. It does talk about all three of my miracles, but it's not just the testimony. It talks about my journey, where I was when I got sick, and the journey I went through to receive a miracle. You know, it's, it's, it's wonderful to, I mean, I was told I had hours left to live, only hours, when I had double, double malaria, hours left to live. The doctor said, if you want to say goodbye to your family, you need to do it this afternoon, not tonight. I have hours left to live, and entered into an instant miracle. But you have to know how. So this book is a book of truly a great encouragement to every, every person. Instructions from my great physician. I've, I've mentioned this before. It went on uh, Amazon, number one on Amazon in two categories. And one category was new age people. They wanted to know, but what is that all about, you know? But this is a book about instructions. You know, we need to follow instructions. God gives us instructions. You know, somebody was telling me one time, actually it was my insurance agent. She said, um, well, Marilyn, I don't maybe believe it like you believe it, but um, I, know, I know I'm going to go to heaven, and I just, I just did it my way. It may not be your way, but I did it my way. I said, well, it's not about my way, and it's not about your way. You know, we had to meet someplace today. You know, we were meeting for lunch to talk about the insurance, and I said, um, you had to give me directions on where you wanted me to meet you. And if I didn't follow those directions, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be able to have my lunch with you today. God has given us directions on how to get to his house. You have to follow the directions. You just don't go any which way and think, well, I'll get up there. I'll, I'll, I'll make it there somehow. No. If you want to come to my house in San Diego, you got to follow my directions. If I tell you to go south on the five and you go north, you're just not going to make it to my house. <laughs> so God has instructions, and we need to know the instructions and then know how to follow them. God is such a good God, and it's just so exciting <laughs> that we have directions to know how to get to his house and receive healing. And he talks about his word as medicine. It is medicine. It isn't kind of like it. It isn't sort of like it. it. It literally is medicine to your flesh. This book, 
my daily delight in the Lord. This is this book I wrote when I was living in uh, I was living in Europe. I was living up in the mountains doing a pioneer work for the Lord. So I wrote the book. I thought, I think I'm going to write this book about all my prayers, how I pray, you know, and it talks about delighting daily in the Lord. And the main thing that uh, you want to do is develop intimacy with God. You want to have that intimate relationship. You want to know how to commune with him. You know, sometimes when I have my, or when I have my prayer time in the mornings, sometimes I just want to commune with him. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to talk about anything. I just want to bask in His presence. You know, years ago, I think it was in the 1600s, uh, a man by the name of Brother Lawrence, I think it was Brother Lawrence, wrote a book about practicing the presence of the Lord. When I was a little girl, I loved to play ball and jacks, and I played ball and jacks every day until I became the champion on my block at Ball and Jacks. <laughs> and there's a lot of steps playing Ball and Jacks, and I was the champion. But I had to practice to be that champion. You know, you, we can practice the presence of the Lord. I mean, it, it's such a beautiful place to be in, just a place where you just commune with him. You don't have to say anything. He might say something to you. But he's here right now. There's angels in this room. You know, you can just be in your own little prayer closet and just, you know, there's just, it's just a cozy place, <laughs> just practicing the presence of the Lord. But this book is about developing intimacy. The first chapter, developing intimacy and how you can block intimacy, but how you can remove the blockages. And then there's scriptures in so, on so many different topics. talks about we were created to worship and then be pure pure in his presence. You know, the Holy Spirit lives within us. He is the Holy, Holy Spirit that lives within us. That means that we have the ability to live a clean life. Not perfect, but clean because the Holy One lives on the inside of us. And then enter into his courts with praise, boldly proclaiming faith's confessions, and the confessions for as an ambassador for Christ, financial blessings, taking God's medicine, prayers for victory for your family, for leaders, for your nation. Uh, let me just read something to you about. We're also aware of what's going on in our nation today. And there's a blank space in here where you can put the name of your loved one. But when I play, pray for America, I use these scriptures as well. For example, America hungers and thirsts after righteousness and follows the voice of the Lord. <clears throat> that America is free from uh, deception, demonic strongholds, and spiritual blindness because truth has set her free. That America is filled with the knowledge of God's will with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. There's just powerful things that you can be praying for your loved one, for the nation. And we, we are responsible to pray for our nation. Amen. This, I think I had this last time, too. <clears throat> it's a battle card. Did I have this last time, the battle card? The battle is the Lord's. It says that in Second Chronicles. 
The battle is the Lord's. Therefore, Lord, you deliver me from the snare of the fowler. You deliver me from unreasonable attacks. You break down the wall of separation. You laugh at the plots of the wicked. You give me wisdom and knowledge. You enlighten my understanding. You make a way in the wilderness. You make the crooked places straight. You multiply my seed stone. You rebuke the devourer. You give me angelic assistance. And it goes on and on and on what God does. And then it says, therefore, I my participation, I shall enter into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. And then on this back side, there's just praise scriptures and just fits perfect in your Bible for your morning time with the Lord. Amen. This, I'm sure you all remember this, this is the famous laminated shower card, the scriptures for health and wealth to hang up in the bathroom shower. It's laminated. So you got scriptures first thing in the morning. So there's a lot of uh, good material back there that will uh, help you build your faith. And if you ever want to be in partnership with my ministry, you can just fill out one of these cards and know what's going on in the ministry. <clears throat> uh, I've been doing some Zoom classes. I've got another one starting the end of this month on healing. It's a six-week Zoom classes. There will be a Q&A time, and uh, you get some free PDF files on different things. But um, just feel free to join partnership with the ministry. Amen. So, Father, we thank you so much for your holy written word. We thank you for the precious Holy Spirit who is our teacher, our guide, our helper, our everything that we need. We pray that you would anoint our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to be receptive to all that you have for us today. And Father, we truly give you all the praise and all the glory. And everyone said, Amen. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever, ever asked yourself, hmm, where am I missing it? Or perhaps you thought, I don't know, is the word, why is the word doesn't seem to be working in my life? Well, I think today we're going to get some enlightenment to answer those questions. <clears throat> and I've titled this message, Kingdom Culture, because we hear so much about culture this and culture that and cancellation culture and COVID culture and mass culture and culture, culture, culture. Today we're going to talk about kingdom culture. You know, I have preached the gospel in over 50 countries in almost 30 years now. And in going to all these countries, I'm exposed to many, many different cultures. And in every one of these cultures, the language is so vital because that is how I communicate with the people, through the language of their culture. So it's very critical, it's vital that I have an excellent interpreter. So I'm going to show you some pictures uh, this morning that I think will really enhance the message that I have for you today. And I appreciate Jared helping me. And the very first picture, if we can look at that very first slide. <clears throat> Do we need to darken the lights or can you see it all okay? So obviously this is the African culture. And the people, the gentlemen on the far right, they're dressed in, well, everything's red. From the top of their head to the soles of their feet, it's all red. Well, what that is, they have taken the combination of goat's milk, goat's fat, and goat's blood. They mix it all together, and then they pour it all over their body. And this represents them as warriors. 
they are warriors. That is, I guess you could say, their uniform. Their uniform is different than the culture that we have, <laughs> our uniforms in our culture. But these are warriors, and they are protecting uh, the livestock and their families from, uh, from the animals, because this is lion territory. I even had to sleep in a tent in lion territory, which was not my most <laughs> relaxing hotel. <laughs> Um, and then in Maasai land, this is uh, the Maasai tribe, and in Maasai land, they live in mud huts. Now, if you were to go closer into Nairobi, they have more like stick huts. You can see right through the hut, uh, it gets lots of light, but they need no more protection here. So their huts are mud huts made of a combination of a number of different elements. But it's very dark in there, but that is the kind of home that the Maasai people live in. And in Maasai, they speak a language called Maasai. Now, I have written here in Swahili, Yesu Anakapende, which means Jesus loves you. But when I am in this Maasai area, I have to have two interpreters. One person translates me from English into Swahili, and then another person translates me now from Swahili into Maasai. So it's very important that I have two excellent interpreters. And every time I go there, every, every time, it's, everything has just been so fruitful. We've had just so, I mean, it's just been great. Great, great ministry, great fruit. Uh, now let's look at the next slide. <clears throat> this is up in the mountains of Guatemala. I've done a lot of ministry up with the orphanages up in Guatemala. It's a 10-hour drive up the mountain from Guatemala City. A 10-hour winding road drive <laughs> up the mountains. And on the far left, you can, or your right, uh, the people, these ladies are sitting on the floor washing dishes. Now, what I do up in this orphanage, we have a feeding program of over 500 children, all orphans, and they're located in six different locations. So it's a lot of work to travel to all these different locations. One time I took a team with me and I told them it would behoove you to do some horseback riding before you go with me because the bridges are washed out and we have to travel eight hours on horseback. And they're not going to be Tennessee walkers. They're going to be old gray mares that we have to uh, borrow from a, a local farmer. But these women up there, <clears throat> they have brought in blue and red colorful pans and they actually, actually have to carry in the water the water up there to even do the dishes after we fed the children. And they are smiling because it's normal in their culture to sit on the floor to do dishes. Now, if I go home and I have to sit on the floor to do my dishes, I probably wouldn't be smiling. But that's a part of their culture. So they're very happy to do this. And then when I go to my farmer's market, everybody's got their nice display of food and everything up on a, on a table and everything. Well, theirs is on the ground. They just put a blanket down there and everybody just goes through. It's very colorful. But up there in this region, which is called Kiche, they speak a language called Kiche. So there again, I have to have two translators, one from English to Spanish and then from Spanish into Kiche. So once again, it's very important that I have two excellent interpreters. And in Spanish, of course, this is Gloria Dios, but in Spanish rather than in Quiche. Quiche is a little bit harder to speak for me. <laughs> but uh, it's always been very, very fruitful, um, just wonderful ministry up there with the children. Uh, let's look at the next slide. 
Now this is when I was preaching in the Arctic. Now that's another totally different culture. Matter of fact, they had a heat wave when I was there of 50 below. I was grateful for the heat wave. <laughs> but it can be very, very cold up there. And, uh, but the Eskimos are very friendly. We had awesome, awesome, uh, what I taught in the Bible school there, awesome, awesome meetings and even Holy Ghost meetings on Sunday services. I mean, we, we just had some wild, wild meetings up there. And they're very colorful. They use a lot of uh, things from whale skin and whale meat. Matter of fact, the students at the Bible school, uh, they brought in a snack one day and it was whale and they said, uh, taste it, you'll like it. Just try it, you'll like it. Well, I tried it and I didn't like it. <laughs> That gray old whale meat just didn't agree with me. <clears throat> um, but they dress very warm with mukluks on their feet, and, and the middle picture is a one-man igloo. Now, when I went to Bible school in Ramah, we all have to move to Ramah to go to Bible school. Well, the students here, they also have to move to, this is called Rankin Inlet, the, the region, and they have to move there to attend Bible school. Well, this girl, her name is Susie, and she wanted me to see but it looked like a one-man igloo. And Susie, <clears throat> I said, so Susie, where did you move from? Well, Susie actually lives in the North Pole. And I said, Susie, <laughs> you're the first person I've ever met that actually lived in the North Pole. And I laughed. I said, I thought only Santa Claus lived there. And she's, oh, no, we're all up there with Santa Claus. We have a big family igloo up in the North Pole. I said, okay. <laughs> and... Uh, and then I had my first and my last dog sled ride. I knew how to tell the horse to stop, but I wasn't really comfortable on the dog sled. But, um, and the language they speak is called Anuktatuk, and it's a written language. And that little scribbling underneath, that is actually a word. Actually, it's the title of a song, which is, I Surrender All. So it's very important that I have an excellent interpreter uh, translating me from English into Anuktatuk. And sometimes you actually have to draw pictures on the chalkboard when you're teaching as well. But again, we've had very, very, very fruitful meetings in the Arctic. So you can see I've traveled to many different cultures and I've exposed to many different languages. Now, let's look at another slide. Let's just imagine I'm going to go back to the Arctic. Maybe some of you would like to go with me. They might have a heat wave while you're coming. And uh, so we're going to build some homes for the people, and we're also going to have an evangelistic crusade. And so after about a week, the Eskimo comes out, and she wants to look at the house we built. Well, my goodness, she sees a mud hut. Well, now that does not compute with her. She does not want to live in a mud hut, even in the heat wave of 50 below zero. That is just not going to compute. And then during my evangelistic crusade, my translator doesn't translate me into Anuktatuk. He's translating me into Spanish. Not one person understands anything I'm saying. This trip would be a complete failure. One complete failure. You know why? Mixed cultures. You cannot mix the culture. There's no way I'm going to speak Spanish in the Arctic and expect people to respond to an altar call. It's not going to happen. We cannot mix cultures and expect to be fruitful. Now let's turn to the next slide. Look at another culture. Heaven has its own culture. 
eternal life, victorious life, justification, joy, praise, deliverance, agape, love, healing, wholeness. These are all parts of heaven's culture. And heaven's culture has its own language. It's called the language of faith. And the language of faith always says, it is written. That's heaven's culture. Amen? Now let's look at another culture. Look at all the different cultures there are. This one is the world's culture. <clears throat> Eternal death, defeated life, condemnation, worry, confusion, fear, fear, part of the world's culture, anxiety, negative attitudes, anger, hatred, sickness, disease. That's the world's culture. And the world's culture has its own language. It is a language of doubt, unbelief, negative, negative, negative all the time. That's the world's culture. Now, you and I are in this world, but we are not of this world. And for us to be fruitful in this world, even though we're not of the world, we are in this world, we have to cooperate with the language of our own culture. Very, very important. So let's take a look at a mixed culture. Let's just imagine you come to church on Sunday. Oh, man, you had a glorious time. You had a wonderful word of God. You had great fellowship. You go home Sunday afternoon, great time with the family. I mean, it was just a, a beautiful, victorious Sunday. But then Monday comes along, and you have to go to work. And maybe some of you work in the marketplace. You work with unsaved people. I can remember when I was in high school and I got my first job working at, a, at a, my friend's father's department store. And everybody talked about on Mondays. Mondays, oh, it's Blue Monday. You ever hear about a Blue Monday? Heaven's culture has no Blue Mondays. There's no Blue Mondays in Heaven's culture. But pretty soon the people that you're working with, they'll start complaining about the boss or the job, or they don't get a, the salary that they feel like they should be having, or the conditions are poor, and they start talking negative about the job, and pretty soon, you start agreeing with them. Yeah, I know, it's, it's, this is a horrible place to work, or I don't like my boss. What have you done? You've switched cultures. And you have now come into agreement with their culture. What you need to do on your lunch break or any kind of a break that you have, you need to go out into your car, listen to your Pandora, and you listen to worship music, and you apply Jude 20. You start building yourself up, praying in the Holy Ghost. And when you go back into that office, you start letting your light shine. Do not mix your culture and wonder, hmm, I wonder where I'm missing it. wonder where I'm missing it justification. We have been made the righteousness of God. That is an unchangeable position that we have. It is unchangeable. But the devil is going to remind you of something that you did somewhere along the line where you missed it. And you start having all this fear and doubt and condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ who apply heaven's culture. You know, I was, uh, many years ago, uh, and this was many years ago, I was uh, with my, my parents, actually it was my dad and my brothers, and uh, they were going to watch this boxing match. Now, I'm not into boxing. 
although I always like the Rocky movies. <laughs> but uh, some famous, world-famous boxing match that was going to be on television that night. And uh, so my dad and my brothers were going to watch this boxing match. And I thought, well, I guess I'll just sit down and watch it with them. And before the boxing match started, they interviewed the two boxers that they had, or they were showing the interview that they had the day before of each of the boxers. And each one of them, they're just shouting these threats, well, I'm going to stomp on him. And, you know, they're just making these horrible threats, how they're just going to crush this person. They're both saying the same ugly threats. And then they finish that, and then they have the boxing match. Then the boxing match is over, and now they're going to interview the two gentlemen again. First, they interviewed the winner. He's got that big belt up there, the big champion belt. You know, he's very proud. I said, I knew I'd get him, you know. And then they interviewed the loser. And he said something I will never forget. They asked him, at what point did you realize you lost the fight? Round three, round four, was it round six? When did you really realize you already lost the fight? And he said... I didn't lose the fight in the ring. I realized I lost the fight yesterday when I listened to his threats. I should never have listened to his threats. That's when I lost the fight. You know, when you go to a restaurant, and maybe it's your favorite restaurant, and you go there on a Friday night, and you know it's going to be busy. You walk in there, and you're going to have to wait maybe 30 minutes for a seat. It's packed out with people. You could close your eyes and know it's busy in there because you can hear all the chatter, right? You agree with me? You, can, you know it's busy. But when you go to sit down at your table, you're only listening to the people at your table. Now, all that chatter is still going on. It's still happening. You, you could hear it, but you're not focusing on it. You're, now you're listening to the people at your table. We need to just listen to the voice of the Father. All those lies, those condemnations, they're out there, but don't listen to them. You know, I was at my daughter's house one time, and my, my uh, grandson was getting ready to go on the school bus, and he was great at forgetting his new jacket. He always had to have a new jacket because he would leave it on the school bus. <laughs> so she said, Matthew, today, do not leave that new jacket on the school bus. Are you listening to me? He said, yes, Mom, I heard you. She said, no, I don't want to know if you heard me. I want to know, did you listen to what I said? See, there's a difference between hearing and listening. You know, there's a joke about somebody's reading a newspaper. And you, yeah, I hear you, I hear you. No, you're not listening. So we need to learn to listen to the voice of the Lord. Don't listen to those threats. They're going to be out there, but don't listen to them. Joy, we need to keep our joy level high. Praise, we need to be in praise at all the time. And stay on the victory side. Stay on victory side. Yeah, worry's going to come. And there's going to, maybe, maybe you lost your job the last year or so. Maybe at the same time the refrigerator broke and the kids got sick and, whoa, it's me, and pretty soon you're having a pity party. Jesus doesn't come to pity parties. He does not attend pity parties. Amen. 
peace of mind to me, my, personally to me, having peace of mind next to salvation is the highest form of prosperity. When I can have peace in the midst of the storms of life, to me that is the highest form of prosperity. But fear, and if we've ever seen a spirit of fear over the last couple of years, we've really seen a spirit of fear. Fear is not of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, leaven, of a sound mind. A sound mind is a mind that stays in peace and praise. I want to uh, give you an illustration of something here. Let me just take this glass of water. It's still pretty full, but let's just imagine this is only a half a glass of water. And I'm really, really so thirsty. I want a full glass of water. I want it full, but there's no other water around. And, oh, I, I see a bottle of Clorox over here. I'll, I'll just pour the Clorox in here so I have a full glass. Is that going to be safe to drink? Mm -mm. It's full glass, though, but it's not going to be safe to drink. Well, what if I decide, well, I'm going to take a drink, but I don't, I don't want any of the Clorox to come in. I, I just want the pure water. Can I do that? No, the Clorox has contaminated that. Well, let's just imagine this is your heart. And God has given every person faith. And so you've got faith in your heart. But there's that one area, and I'll just say it. I'll just say COVID, for example. <laughs> that seems to be a biggie right now. But if you have fear of, you've got just a little bit of fear of COVID or whatever it is. There's a little bit of fear in here. But you've got a lot of faith in here. But that, that little bit of fear, just that little bit, will contaminate your faith. It will weaken your faith. Because you, you cannot contaminate. You, can't, you, can, you can have strong faith in one area and maybe stronger faith in another. But, but you have to have a life of faith. You have to live by faith and you have to walk by faith. You can't have faith for some areas and fear in another. I can't drink a, water, a glass of water and Clorox together. That Clorox poisons that water. It's not safe for me to drink. That little bit of fear will contaminate my faith, weaken it, that it will not do what I need it to do for me. Amen? So fear is not in our culture. We have to guard against fear. Again, if you've got fear, you go in Jude 20, Build yourself up and do 21. Stay in the love of God. The love of God does everything that you'll ever need it to be, to do. So you have to stay in the love of God at all times. Walk in love. That's not an option. <laughs> you know, it's so easy for people to take offense, even in the church. You can't take offense. You know, in Mark eleven twenty three, it talks about we can speak to our mountain. Speak to any negative situation in your life. But in Mark eleven twenty five, 25, it says, If you have ought against any, forgive. If you don't forgive, your Heavenly Father can't forgive you of your trespasses. But, you know, if you can't forgive just one, just one offense, you'll never have faith to move a mountain. If you can't forgive just one offense, you'll never have faith to move them out because that one offense that you hold on to contaminates your faith. Your faith will never be at the place it needs to be to move a mountain. 
Submission, a lot of people struggle with submission. Submission is not restriction, it's protection. When you submit to your pastor, he's going to protect you from false doctrine. It's not about control, it's about protection. So it's some of these things are just so vital. And then saved, filled. If you mix your culture, you can still be saved. You can still be filled with the Holy Ghost. But you will live a defeated life because you're living with a mixed culture. We want to be saved, filled, and triumphant. Amen. Saved, filled, and victorious. So we cannot mix our cultures. Amen. Um, thank you, Jared. I think that's the last one I'm going to show for now. Um, so let's look at it at the culture of healing, for example. The language of faith. The language of faith realizes, or it relies on what it believes, it speaks it, and then it receives it. The language of faith ignites the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The language of faith speaks those things which be not as though they were. The language of faith is God's creative power. The language of faith gives substance of things hoped for and the evidence of victory not yet seen. Amen? The language of faith says, I is healed. Not going to be, I am today healed. This is kingdom culture. But the world's culture always speaks repeatedly of the pain. They'll talk about every surgery, <laughs> every, every, they'll, I don't know how much time they spend on learning how to even pronounce the name of a disease or the name of this medication, you know. Yet, what scripture are you standing on? Well, uh, well, you, no, I don't know. I, I don't know what you're standing on. Well, it, you know, no, I don't know what you're standing on. But you can tell me the, n the name of that big, long disease and that medication and tell me all about every operation, every surgery. See, that's the language of the world, totally focusing on the negative, the pain. They magnify the sickness. Oh, my arthritis is really acting up today. Oh, you know what I'm saying? We magnify the wrong things. It relies on what it sees. It relies on the five senses. You know, John 10.10 10 says, The devil steals, kills, and destroys. You know how the devil steals, kills, and destroys? Through a mixed culture. If you don't mix your culture, it makes it very difficult for the devil to come steal and kill and destroy you. It's when you've got a mixed culture, you've opened that door for the devil. So can you see how easy it is that we mix cultures? How easy it is that we can mix our culture. One thing I've learned, um, and we're not perfect. Every one of us is going to say the wrong thing several times during the day. I've always prayed, and I always do this, Holy, because the Holy Spirit is our helper. He lives on the inside of us. And I always pray, I said, Lord, if I say one thing outside of my own culture today. Just quicken me. And as soon as I say something negative, beep, beep, oop, I, I knew I shouldn't have said that. You know what I do? Let me give you an example. I grew up in Nebraska. I'm a corn husker. When I lived in the country, I had a huge garden. I loved my garden. <laughs> I loved my homegrown tomato plants. 
And after I planted my tomato plants, I would stand back. I want to make sure my row was perfectly straight. And I'd look at those tomato plants and, oh, there's one tomato plant, not quite straight. I would go over and I would uproot that tomato plant and just tweak it just a little bit, make sure it's straight row. I wanted a straight row. Well, when I say something negative and the Holy Spirit quickens me, he's, oh, shouldn't have said that. I immediately uproot that word I just spoke. How do I uproot it? I repent. I say, Lord, I repent of what I just said. I repent of that for it is written. And then I speak. I just make a little tweak and I speak exactly what the word of God says about that situation. Just uproot it, just like you would uproot something in the natural. Just repent and make it straight. Amen? You know, the, the gospel is meant to be simple. It's a simple gospel. Now, turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. Is this helping you today? Is this helping you today? Okay. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Matthew 6, verse 9. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For God's will to be done on the earth as it is in heaven, it will only happen through the language of heaven's culture. It will only happen through the language of faith. The language of faith has access to the kingdom of heaven and brings God's will into the earth. It brings God's will into your personal life, into my personal life. That's what the language of faith will do. It has access into the kingdom of heaven and brings God's plan, purposes, and will for your life into your life personally. But we have to adapt to heaven's culture. Amen. In Deuteronomy 30.19, turn there, Deuteronomy 30.19. So if we want to experience God's will on the earth as it is in heaven, we must adapt heaven's language. Deuteronomy 30.19, I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. And then it says, choose life. Who is to do the choosing? You and me. Is it you? I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. You could say sickness or health. Choose. You choose. You know, Catherine Kuhlman once said, the only limit to the power of God lies within the individual. The only limit to the power of God lies within the individual. Lillian B. Yeomans once said, it seems as though God has tied himself irrevocably to human cooperation in the execution of his divine plan and purpose for our life. Man's faith is the determining factor. So we need to choose life through the language of our own culture. Amen. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life, or you could say sickness and health, are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death is not in the power of cancer. It is not in the power of COVID-19. 
it is in the power of the tongue. It is written, death and life is in the power of the tongue, not in a sickness or in a disease. Power is a force. Power can exist without being activated. So power in itself can do nothing until it's been activated. See, there's electrical power in this building. Before the per first person came, might have been Jared, I'm not sure. <laughs> first person who came in here turned on the light switch. And the last person that's going to leave today is going to turn off the light switch. They're not going to call the power company and disconnect the power. They're just going to deactivate the power that is existing. Amen? Faith is like that. Faith is a force. Faith can exist without being activated. Faith can do nothing until it is activated. Listen to James chapter 2, verse 17. James 2:17, and this is the King James Version. Even so faith, if it has not works, it's dead, being all alone. Faith was never meant to be alone. In the Amplified of James 2:17, it says, So also faith, if it does not have works, or deeds and actions of obedience to back it up, by itself, it is destitute of power. It is inoperative. It is dead. I like the New Living Translation. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead. It is useless. Let's just say, for example, you were a very, very poor person and you had no shoes to protect your feet or to keep your feet warm. So I give you shoes for the purpose of protecting and keeping your feet warm. But you never choose to put on the shoes. You never use them. Well, you might as well not even have the shoes. They're useless to you because you're not using them. Well, so it is with faith. God has given each one of us faith. But if we don't use it, might as well not even have it. We have to use it. Without using it by itself, it produces nothing. It is never meant to be alone. We have to use our faith. Uh, it says in Proverbs 18:21 that uh, life and death is in the power of the tongue, and they that use it, that talks about the fruit. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Well, fruit is like the spoken word. It's like planting a seed. We don't want to plant seeds that we don't want to produce a harvest from. Amen. Seeds of truth or dishonest speech, each will produce fruit. Each one will produce a fruit. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 24, put away from you a deceitful mouth. This is Proverbs 4, 24. 
Put away from you, this is instructions of something we have to do. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and perverse lips. Perverse lips, that's, those are lips that speak an untruth. A deceitful mouth is a mouth that speaks dishonest speech. Anything contrary that we speak that is contrary to the word of God, he said, that's dishonest speech. That's dishonest speech. In Proverbs 6.16, it says uh, how God hates a lying tongue. You know, when, when my children were little, and I'm sure you always did the same thing and still do, you teach your children to tell the truth. It just seems natural that they want to tell, no, I didn't take that cookie. I did not take another cookie, <laughs> but you know they did. And so you want to teach them how important it is to speak the truth. We teach them to speak the truth. These are our children. We're responsible to teach them truth. Well, we are God's children, and he hates a lying tongue. So as his children... If we go around saying, oh, my back is killing me. These sinuses, oh, my goodness, these sinuses are driving me crazy. God's in heaven thinking, I wish my children would stop telling lies. I said, your back is healed. I said, you have been delivered from diabetes, sinuses, allergies. He hates it. When we say a lie, he said, that is a lie. Put away from you a lying tongue. You know, these things really matter to God, and it really has an effect upon our life. Every time we say something negative, contrary to the word of God, I can just see the devil saying, yes, they're in agreement with me. God forbid that we would be a mouthpiece that glorifies the works of the devil. Steal, kill, and destroy. God forbid. Amen. I want to, um, in, in closing, I'd like to say that the language of faith cannot be reduced to positive speaking. Positive speaking has its place, and it can certainly motivate people. But positive speaking will never move the hand of God. Only the language of faith has access to the kingdom of heaven and brings God's will into the earth. You see, once again, I can't speak Spanish in the Arctic and expect people to respond to the altar call. Nor can I speak German in a Chinese restaurant and expect to get apple strudel. It just doesn't work. <laughs> As a citizen of heaven... I cannot speak the world's language and expect heaven's results. And most beautiful of all, as a citizen of heaven, I don't need an interpreter because the language of faith is my native tongue. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we have access into the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Father God, that we have access into your culture. I pray, Lord, that you would quicken us. Every time, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we begin to say something that's a part of the world's culture, that you quicken us, that we can immediately uproot that negative seed and make it right. 
We thank you for your holy written word that takes deep root into each and every heart today. And Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And if there's anybody here today, um, if you've never asked Jesus into your life, I'm sure probably everyone here probably has already. Has everybody here already asked Jesus to come into their life? Everybody knows that you're going to go to heaven. Everybody lift your hand if you know you're going to go to heaven. Amen. I would encourage you. Uh, I'm sure every one of you know somebody that has not made that decision. And this is an awesome church. You have awesome, awesome pastors. Maybe you don't realize the gift that God has given you. I travel all around the world. I come here every year, don't I? About every year. Because it's an honor for me to be behind their pulpit. Because I know the quality of these people. And all these people out here that, you know, just this week alone, three of my friends went to heaven. And over the last five weeks, I've lost five friends went to heaven. Praise God that all, every one of them I know went to heaven. But I had a neighbor that passed away at Christmas. Did not, they did not want to know anything about prayer. No matter what I'd say, they don't want, no, we don't, no, 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 no. So when he died, I went to my neighbor. I said, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your husband. Oh, well, it's okay, she said. I said, what? Even unsafe, well, it's okay. He's in a far better place. And I thought, you know what? He is not. He was better off down here than down there. They didn't want to know anything about it. But you know what it says when, when God is going to wipe away our tears when we're in heaven? I've often thought, well, why am I crying in heaven? Why do I even have those tears? And I've often thought, is it because I'm going to see my neighbor or somebody that I didn't witness to? And they're screaming. And they're looking. Maybe they're going to be looking at me and say, why didn't you tell me? And well, I'm going to. When I'm in heaven, I'm going to feel guilty for sure. I'm going to probably be crying. But I remember when I led my dad to the Lord. And I started praying for him when I was three years old. Three. I prayed for him for almost 50 years. He gave his heart to the Lord. And the last day I saw my father. Tears in his eyes as he's holding out my hand. And he'd already given his heart to the Lord. And with tears in his eyes, he said to me, Thank you. Thank you, thank you. And I can imagine the day I walk on those gold streets, I'm going to see my daddy. And he's going to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to hear the thank you. I don't want to have so many tears because I didn't tell somebody else. We have no idea. You can only, only imagine how horrible that's going to be to go to hell. But this place should be packed. Because this is a solid, I'm not, I, I just, you know, you just have great pastors. And there's so many people out here that need to hear the truth. And Father, we just thank you. Thank you for the spirit of boldness to come upon each and every one of us. That we will share your word with friends and neighbors and people at the, the market and, and cleaners or wherever it is. Just stir us up, Lord. Stir us up. In Jesus' name. And I would pray, if you can't come to healing school tonight, uh, this afternoon, and, and I would encourage you to please do come. It's going to be great. But if you can't come and you have sickness in your body and you would like me to pray with you this morning, I would just encourage you to come up here. Is there anybody that needs prayer this morning that you can't come uh, this afternoon? 
Is everybody going to come this afternoon? Say yes. Yes, Marilyn, I'm coming. <laughs> well, thank you, Pastor Chip. I pray this was a, a blessing to you today. Did the word help you today? Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Chip. Praise God. Is the Lord good? Yes. You know, I'm seriously thinking about coming to healing school this afternoon, so. <laughs> Uh, praise God. You know, there's so much pressure in the church to mix our culture with the world. Amen. You know, they just, uh, you know, well, tone it down. You know, don't be a person of faith. You know, uh, uh, you know, kind of be like us and don't always be happy. And, you know, there's just a lot of pressure to to not be a person of faith, to not be a person who loves the Lord and not be a person who believes the word of God is an absolute word from heaven. Amen. And um you know, I got no problem being a Christian. Amen. Uh, now, I got no problem, you know, speaking to the lost folks and encouraging them to know the Lord. And, you know, that's part of that's really the only reason the church exists on the earth is to win the lost to the Lord. Uh, but we don't have to do that by changing our culture. Amen. Uh, and so that, that was a good encouraging word there. Uh, and so uh, don't forget, we do have healing school this afternoon. Uh, and Miss Marilyn uh, will be there teaching us more about healing as well. Amen. Uh, and um uh, but let's get ready to receive uh, this morning's offering. Amen. And, uh, and then we're going to eat after that. And, uh, of course, everything we receive uh, today will go into uh, Dr. Marilyn Neubauer's ministry. Uh, she travels around the country to uh, and really around the world. Hopefully the world opens back up, you know, one of these days and starts spinning again. Uh, but, um, um, uh, you know, people need to hear the word. Amen. Uh, and. Uh, and it's an opportunity to be a part of her ministry. Amen. She prays for people all over the world. Uh, and um, uh, and so uh, uh, everything we receive today will go into her ministry. Amen. So we don't we don't take a cut. You know, it's not 50 50, you know, and and well, if it's too much, you know, she ain't going to get all that. You know, we don't play any games like that. This is what the Lord's doing. And uh, and so uh, and then, uh, uh, of course, we'll just write her one check after the offering there as well. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give. And so, Father, we thank you. That it's an honor to give into your kingdom. Father, we thank you for the, the opportunity to give. We thank you that you've blessed us, Father, with finances in order to give uh, into your ministries in the earth. And so, Father, we thank you that as we sow into Miss Marilyn's ministry, we thank you, Father, that, that those finances will go into her ministry and multiply according to the need that she has, Father, and to accomplish all the will and plan for her life. And so, Father, we thank you that the fruit that she receives in her ministry, that we get to be a part of that fruit. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. We'll come ahead, Mr. Jared. And as soon as J Jared uh, finishes receiving the offering, we'll go ahead and uh, bless the food. So then after that, we can get the uh, table set up to eat. That way you're not waiting on me if I'm, if I'm, not, uh, if I'm doing something else uh, to eat. Uh, we'll go ahead and eat after that. Uh, and um, now I encourage you, you know, even if you don't bring food, you know, stay. We always have plenty of food. In fact, uh, you know, the um, uh, usually after we get done eating, we have a bunch of to-go plates. We encourage everybody to take all the leftovers home with them so that uh, I don't have to eat any, uh, eat all the food, you know. Uh, unless it's uh, uh, really good, then, then you can just leave it here and I'll eat it, right? Uh, what were you talking about, the Chinese food? Uh, what kind of apple, apple strudel? Yeah, yeah, so. If anybody brought that, don't take the leftovers out. I'll take that home, all right? So, but everything else you can take, right? So, uh, all right, praise God. Uh, and, yeah, don't forget, uh, Miss Marilyn has uh, some materials on the back table there, and all the prices for that are marked on, on the books there or 
I think Miss Dora can help you with that as well. So let's pray and thank the Lord for the food today. So, Father, we thank you uh, that you blessed us with such good food to eat. Uh, Father, we thank you for the bounty of that. And, Father, we thank you for the time of fellowship. And, Lord, according to your word, we declare our food blessed and sanctified in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Praise God. Well, uh, you're dismissed. We'll go ahead and set up uh, for lunch.